don't have a Bible this morning, there should be some of the seats as well. But Philippians chapter number one. It's so good to see everybody here this morning. Now, I do want to make mention, if you're a guest this morning, well, we've got a number of guests here. Praise the Lord for that. Seems like summertime. We get a lot of people that come in that uh, don't normally come. And so if you're a guest here this morning, I'd love for you on the back, on those seat pockets in front of you, there's a little card there. And, uh, and it'll say something like this, get connected or something like that. If you can take that and just some point during the service, just fill that out. Just put some information on there just so we have a record that you came. And uh, that'll let me know that you were here and I can pray for you and uh, maybe reach out and just say hello. Thank you for coming. At the end of the service, you can drop that in the offering plate in the back or you can just hand it to me either way. I want to make sure that to get to know you a little bit and get to uh, know your name, say hello and uh, we'll make sure to, to get to greet you on the back on your way out. Well, it's a blessing. We've got a lot of things going on this morning. I'm excited for, uh, for all the things that are going to be happening today and uh, we're just getting started with what God's going to do uh, throughout the service and this summer I'm looking forward there's a lot of things that are happening this summer so make sure you pay attention to the announcements and things at the end as uh, we've got a lot of things coming up everything from VBS to some booths to um, a revival in August we've got a lot of things happening and so it's going to be a great summer looking forward to what the Lord's going to do but this morning we are in Philippians chapter number one Philippians chapter number one we're to look at one verse here and then uh, we're going to pray ask for the Lord to help us and dive into the word of God this morning familiar verse Philippians chapter number one the Bible says this in verse number 27 it says only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel let's pray together ask for the Lord to help us and then we're going to dive into God's Word for a few moments today. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to open God's Word, to be able to see what it has for us this morning. I pray, God, that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray for each person that's here, God, that they would hear from you, that your Holy Spirit would move in our midst. And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, know that they're going to spend eternity in heaven. Maybe there's questions, doubts. I pray, Lord, that today they'd get that settled so they can have that uh, assurance. Father, thank you for what you're going to do as we look at the Gospel today. Look at your Word. I pray, God, we'd be challenged. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've probably all at one point or another made our way uh, to the grocery store. I know I have to pick up one thing, all right? And uh, you've probably done this. Um, I know for me, uh, oftentimes we'll go to Bozeman and, and we'll go over to Costco to pick up one thing, right? And how many of you understand when you go to Costco to pick up one thing, you never walk out with one thing? I mean, how, I, mean I don't know how this happens, but you walk in to, to buy one thing and somehow you walk out with like $400 worth of things, okay? That's just the way that it is. I mean, you're just, you, you, you go for one thing and yet you come out with all kinds of things. You know, in the Bible here, in Philippians chapter number 1, verse number 27, Paul writes and says this, only, only, says, listen, I've got one thing that I want you to focus on, one thing that's super important, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Here Paul, he's writing to the church, the Christians at Philippi, Paul sitting in his, his jail cell there, he's writing this letter and he says, listen, I don't know if it's going to get there or not, I hope that it does, but he writes to the believers at, at Philippi, he writes this letter for them, he, he records it down for them, and he sends it on their way to get to them, and, and it arrives to him, he says, listen, there's one thing that I want you to hear, one thing that's, that's super important. He says, only let your conversation, your, your lifestyle become the gospel of Christ. 
You see, what, what's he saying here? Well, I could, I could tell Tressa she's here today and, and uh, she just went over to the, to the kids' class and things like that. I could look at her and I could, I could say, we don't, we don't say it very, like this very often, uh, but, but I could look at her and say, Tressa, your dress is very becoming of you. Right, I, I could say that now. Now, normally, I you know I probably won't say say it loud. Say, man, that you're you're looking hot today. Okay, I mean, like that's that's you know that's that's the language that we would say, right? You know, it, it looks good on you. All right, uh, it's becoming of you. Uh, the word there, it, it, it literally means to be worthy. To be worthy. That that's literally what it means. God, what he's saying here is God desires that a believer, somebody's a follower of Christ, that they would live a life. That's worthy of the gospel. That they would live a life that is becoming of the gospel. That they would live a life that makes the gospel look good. And that's why the Bible tells us that we should be careful about the things that we say, the way that we talk, the way that we act, the things that we we do, the places that we go. We shouldn't do the things that the world does. Why? Because we're not our own. We are Christ, we belong to Him. Why is it a big deal? Because if we do things that are of the world, it makes the gospel look bad. You ever met somebody who, who said they wouldn't go to church because it was full of hypocrites? <laughs> you ever met somebody? Maybe you, maybe you said that at one point or another. Okay? Maybe you say, you know, hey, I, I'll never just go into the church. Why? Because it's just full of, of hypocrites. We were talking about it this morning and, 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 in, in Sunday school. And we said, hey, listen, you, you can't go to church because, uh, because it's full of hypocrites. And the truth is, 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 is if you came, then we'd have one more. All right? So, I mean, the truth is, is, is listen, we're all hypocrites in one, one way or another. That's just the, the fact of the matter. Uh, the, but here's the thing. Uh, every person that comes to church, they... They need the gospel. And oftentimes the church is full of people that are the least hypocrites. Why? Because they're admitting, I've got something that I need to deal with. I've got something that's wrong in my life. And the people that say, well, I'm not going to church, oftentimes there's the one that say, well, I'm good. And the truth is, is things aren't. (laughs) What happens oftentimes is not that they think that everything's perfect in their life, but really what it is is somebody along the way did something who said they were a Christian And what happened? It hurt the reputation of Christ. It gave a, a left a bad taste in their mouth. And and they looked and they said, well, if that's what a Christian is, if that's what the gospel is, if that's who God is, then I don't want anything to do with it. And as Christians, as the church, we must be careful and make sure that we live a life, listen, that makes the gospel look good. It isn't about doing something for the crowd on Sunday. It isn't looking good because the preacher is watching. No, no, no. We should live our lives after salvation to make the gospel look good. There's three ways that we can see here that we can glorify God and make the gospel look good. According to Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27. Look with me again. The Bible says this. Only let your conversation, your Style be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent. He said, Whether I come to you or, or I hear of it, he said, That I may hear of your affairs. And then he says, This, that ye stand fast in one spirit. He says, church, he says, there's something that I want you to, to, to make sure that you have. He says, this, this is super important. He said, this is vital. He said, I want to, whether I come and I'm with you or if I just hear about it. He said, it's, inviting, it's, it's vital that what? That you have one spirit. One spirit. 
Now, now what it's talking about here, it's not talking, we were talking this morning in Sunday school uh, about, about spirits. And, 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 and we're not talking about like the spiritual warfare and, and the spirits that, that, are, that are fighting amongst the world. That's not what we're talking about here. What it's talking about literally here, it has the idea of a person's disposition, their emotional disposition, their attitude. Their attitude. He's literally saying here, he's saying, listen, that, that you stand fast with one attitude, one spirit, one attitude. And can I tell you this? The attitude that the church has, should have, should be a good one. <laughs> I mean, this is, I mean, this is, this, is, this is so silly, but I mean, like, and it's so simple, but, but it's true. <laughs> your spirit, your attitude directly affects the perception uh, of, of others in this world of the gospel. It affects their perception of the gospel. Have you ever met someone who was just depressing to be around? Somebody that just, I mean, you know, I mean, like it's always, you know, the glass is never half full. It's always half empty, right? Uh, you know, somebody that, that, listen, they've never seen a partly sunny day. It's always partly cloudy, right? I mean, I mean, it's just the way it is. It's like, well, yeah, life is going good. But listen, the trials are just around the corner, you know? It's just everything's always, you know, there's always a negative bent to it. And, and, and if you spend enough time around somebody, and I mean, it's just like everything's always negative and negative and negative. And listen, I understand in the world that we live in with the economy, the way that things are. And, you're, and I mean, like, as I say that, they say the, like, that's like a bad word. To, you say the economy and everybody's like, oh, you know? And I mean, like, with the way things are it's there's a lot of things that we have to complain about right there's a lot of things that we have that that we can say man you know things aren't 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 great but the truth is this nobody likes to be around a person that's just always negative maybe you're in this room and you're going man that's i'm always negative nobody wants to be around me this is where you know listen no i i I mean nobody likes to be around somebody that's just always negative and always just oh just to drag you down it's like oh but listen people are attracted to someone Who's positive? Who sees the, the glass half full? That, that, that looks at things and, and, and it's not always just the negative side of things. That they look at their life and say, well, you know what? At the end of it all, even, even if that, the worst thing that happens, listen, I'm going to be in heaven with Christ. There's a lot of good things. Hey, no, God desires for the Christian to be an encourager. The Bible says this in Proverbs 25, verse number 11. says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Okay? You say, what does that even mean? Okay? I mean, it's like, it's a beautiful picture. That's what he's saying. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, 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 the right word said is like a beautiful picture. It's, 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 it's something that's wonderful. In, in verse chapter number 17, verse 22 of Proverbs, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dry the bones. I mean, somebody that's just happy and just, just full of joy. I mean, at first, you're like, man, holy smokes. I mean, like, we've probably been about one of those people where it's like, man, they're just, they're just happy all the time. Seems like everything's great in their life. And, and, and I've met some people, I've known people that were like that. And you get to them, you're like, man, is, 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 is your life just perfect or something? It's amazing when they, they look and say, no, 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 I've got this problem, I've got this problem, I've got this problem. But I'll tell you this, God's still good. Oh, how, what a, how that speaks volumes, the, the perception that it gives. Hey, as a Christian, we ought to be encouraged. We ought to be thankful. Thankful. Just think about that. Psalm 26, verse number 7. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all the wonder, thy wondrous works. Oh, man, instead of sitting around and talking about how bad the gas prices are and talking about the, the economy and it's going to crash and talking about the housing market and all these different things. Hey, listen, what, what, hey, let's just talk about the Lord. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about something that, that we can rejoice in. Uh, that, that what Christ did for me. Listen, you can't talk about God for very long 
before we get into some positive things. Because there's nothing that God has done in my life that's been negative. Everything God has done in my life has been positive. Now, there have been things that he's allowed in my life that whenever I, when it happened, I perceived it as negative. But as time went on, we say, well, 20, you know, uh, the hindsight's twenty twenty vision, right? When we look back and we say, oh, now I understand why God let that happen. Now I understand what God was doing there. Now, now, now I, as my perception has changed, now I see why God let these things happen. It was for his glory and for my good. And we have something to thank the Lord for. Psalm 100 verse number 4. Into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. In 2 Corinthians 9.11. The Bible says being rich in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. I mean just lifting our voices in praise. In talking about the Lord. Oh listen, when is the last time that you just, you know as you were just conversing with someone that you just talked about about God, you say, man, I don't have anything positive to talk about. Hey, listen, you can talk about the Lord, and that's the most positive thing that you can talk about. As a Christian, we ought to be encouraging. We ought to be thankful. We, we ought to be loving. loving. No, listen, I know, we're, I mean, I'm in Montana, and, and men in Montana are, are different. They're tougher. I mean, and, and they're, they're only, like, they're only surpassed by the women of Montana that are even tougher than they are, right? So it's just, it's just what it is. And, I mean, just, just, I mean, we're tough, and so we think, oh, loving. I mean, like, that's like a vocabulary word that we kind of like set off to the side and it's like, eh, you know, I mean, when we think of loving, we think like Hallmark movies and nobody likes Hallmark movies, right? You know, and, uh, and so that's, you know, that's, that's our mindset, right? You know, loving, okay? But, but listen, as Christians, we should be. We should be. What, what's the Bible say? Here, here's how important being a loving Christian is. In 1 Corinthians 13, which is right in the passage, it's talking about the body of Christ and how we should be living our life. We just talked about this just a few re- weeks ago. Says this, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burnt and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You know what he's saying there? He says, listen, I, I can do all kinds of good works. I can say all kinds of good things. I can have all kinds of abilities. He said, I can do all of this stuff. But he says, if I don't do it in love, I don't have it in compassion, profits nothing. It, it's just like a tinkling brass, a, a tinkling simple sounding brass. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just kind of like clapping. I mean, like it's just, it's kind of annoying. But when we do things out of a heart of love, there's a difference. It makes a difference. And understand this, the toughest guy in this room, the toughest person that you know, listen, love has the power to conquer. Love has the power to change. And consistent compassion, consistent love, consistent charity has the power to do more than, than anything. The Bible tells us this, that God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved you so much. What did he do? He gave his son for you to die on the cross. As Christians, we ought to have an attitude that points and directs people to Christ. Uh, not, not one of these that's just always just dragging down. And Paul writes there and he says, hey, listen, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That what? That ye stand fast in one spirit. One spirit. 
Oh, church, may we not be a, a church that is, you know, okay, the, these people over, this is the group over here that's, 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 that's always, you know, they're just, you don't talk to them, they're just full of problems. And these ones over here, they're just, they're just always really happy. And these ones over here, and, and it's all, no, 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 God, the, Paul, Paul writes here and says, listen, the church ought to be of one spirit. Together, with, with this one attitude of, God, you are good. And oh, what an impact that'll make in our world. He says, listen, hey, I, I want you to, to only do this. Listen, this is so important. If you do one thing, I want you to do this. He says, listen, I want you to have a, a, the right attitude, the right spirit. But not only that, but I want you to have one mind. One mind. Look what he says there. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. It, it literally means to have the same breath. Same heartbeat, the same goal, the same direction. He, he desires for the church to be going the same way, the same goal, the same. To, it's like breathing in, in unison. Have you ever tried to get somebody to be passionate about something that you're passionate about? I, I, I mean, growing up in, in Indiana, I mean, I, I, I've mentioned so many times, but I'm an Indiana Hoosier through and through. I, I am now a Montana resident and Montana is my home, but, but somehow, some way, the cream and crimson of the Indiana Hoosiers still flows through my veins. It just is what it is. And, and uh, I just, I love the Indiana Hoosiers and specifically I love Indiana Hoosier basketball. Okay, I, I, I enjoy all sports, but basketball, Indiana Hoosier basketball, and, and they've been terrible for years, but listen, I'm not a Fairweather fan and one of these days we're going to be good again. But uh, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm passionate about it. I love it. And uh, the, this last year even, I had the opportunity, they, they showed a couple of, of games on we, we don't have direct TV or anything like that, but we were able to watch a couple of games. They, they just happened to, to be on some of the channels that we had, and, and, uh, and I got to watch a couple of the basketball games for the Indiana University. And I, I mean, like, I'm excited about it. I'm like fired. I, like, I know what time the game started. I'm like, Tressa, I'm like, listen, we, we got to have everything done so we can sit down and we can watch these games. I mean, like, this is, this is important. You know, this is vital. I mean, you're watching the game and you're yelling at the screen. And I mean, you're, you're, you're I mean, like, you know, depending on how the game goes, depends on how I'm going to act the next day. I mean, it's just, you know, you know how this is. I mean, it's just, I mean, you're passionate about it. Tress is not passionate about basketball in the least. I mean, it's not even, not even a little bit. In fact, I mean, it can be a close game, be down to the wire. I mean, the final five seconds of the game, I mean, the game's like a point difference, right? The Indiana Hoosiers has the basketball. They're down by one point. Here's their opportunity to win the game. The coach calls a timeout. They have their timeout. They go over. They're getting ready to come out. They walk out there. The, the, the ref's getting ready to blow his whistle, hand the ball off, and Tressa will, like, get up to go get a glass of water. Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand this at all. Like, we're, we're not on the same page here. I mean, come on. Like, you need to be passionate about this. This is a big deal. It's a big moment in my life, you know? And, uh, you know, it's just like you're trying to get them to be passionate about the same thing that you are. And, and, and when you're trying to pull somebody along, it just it gets tiring. And, and eventually you just say, you know what, okay, I'll just watch the game by myself. You know, it would be better for both of us anyway. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of why. Because I'm passionate about something. And she's casual about it. You know, Paul says here that we ought to have the same mind. Our, our primary passion ought to be the same. The church can be made up of various personalities and various backgrounds, and it ought to be. 
I'm thankful for Whitehall Baptist Church. Not everybody grew up in church that comes to Whitehall Baptist Church. We've got people that, that come to Whitehall Baptist Church that, that just started coming to church recently. We have people that, that have been in church for 30, 40 years. We, we've got all different varieties in between. We have some that came from other religions and things like that. And now they, they've come here. And, and we've got all... And, and listen, the church is... All, I mean, that's what's wonderful. That's what the church should be. It should be made up of all different lifestyles and all different people from all different places. That's what it should be. Not everybody looking the same. Not everybody at the same stage of life. Well, there's one thing that should be the same. That should be that we should have a common goal as a church. You say, well, well Kyle, what, what, what is that common goal? What, what should it be? And, and you know, and, and, and oftentimes at the start of the year, we'll have a vision service or something. We'll talk about, okay, here's some goals that we have for the year. Some things that we want, want to do this year. One of the things that we started the year is, listen, we wanted to, to redo the nursery and put some new flooring in there. And, and man, we came together and we worked and we got new flooring and things. And there's some other projects that we're going to be doing here at the church. And, and, and we're excited about some of these things. And that's great. But listen, that's not the primary goal. That's, that's not our primary focus. No, while, while we should be passionate about, about a lot of things and maybe passionate about uh, some of the, the physical aspects of the church, that there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. Our primary passion, our primary passion and goal should be the passion of Christ. What was uh, Christ's passion? What was Christ's goal? Well, Luke 19.10, he tells us that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. When it says he came to seek and save that which is lost, he wasn't talking about your car keys. He wasn't talking about your wife's cell phone. Okay, my wife loses her cell phone. She doesn't know where it is right now, I guarantee it. Okay, it's just the way that it is, right? I mean, that's, just, that's, not, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, I came to seek and to save those things that are lost. No, no, no. He's, he, he's in business of lost and found, but not those things. No, he's in the business of saving those that are lost in their sin. That don't know Christ is their Savior. Jesus was surrounded by the religious crowd... As he was sitting down for lunch with Matthew, the tax collector. And we, we've talked about this before when we went through the book of Mark. Matthew, the tax collector. I mean, like the tax collector was like the IRS of the day. I mean, like how many of you love the IRS, right? Yeah, okay, nobody? Yeah, me too, all right? I mean, like yeah, nobody. I mean, in fact, they were the despised part of a society. The way that they made their money is they would go to people and they would say, Hey, listen, you owe me money. You know, you, you owe me this. And, you know, and, and, and so they would take, what they would do is they take, okay, this is what the government said that they owed, and then they would upcharge that above that, sometimes two, three times that amount, and whatever they could get above what the government said, what Rome told them, they got to keep. Oh man, they were cheats, they were liars, they were, st- I mean, they were thieves. They go to people, oh yeah, you owe me this, you, you owe that, oh, I don't owe that, where did that come, no, 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 you do, alright, if you don't, the government's going to come after you, you know, I mean, they just scare people, and, and people, I mean, I'm telling you, they were liars, cheats, thieves, I mean, they were just the lowest, nobody liked them, that's who Matthew was. Jesus is sitting down for, for supper with Matthew and some of Matthew's friends, and the, the, the Pharisees come walking in, and they're standing there looking at Jesus, and they're saying, oh, this man eateth. Edith was sinners. He, he, he eateth with these, these people. He's sitting down with them. I mean, the religious crowd, the Pharisees, the, they're the ones that dressed just right and looked just right. Everything looked just perfect. They kept all the law. But they didn't know Jesus. 
And I love what Jesus says. It's so funny to me. I mean, amidst this, this crowd of, of Matthew and all his buddies, I mean, can you just imagine? I mean, like, you've got, like, the keynote guy in. I mean, like, this is the person that comes in, and, like, everybody's like, oh, look, there, yeah, that's Jesus. You know, he's all, Jesus stands up in the midst of all of them, and he looks at those Pharisees, and he says this, I came not to call right, the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I mean, like, Matthew's like, yeah, wait. <laughs> that's us, you know. He just called me a sinner, you know. I mean, like, uh, what in the world? Uh, I mean, that's 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 what happened. See, Jesus came not to make your life better. Sometimes people think, well, you know, if I if I accept Christ's Savior, then every all my troubles are going to go away, and, and God's just going to take away all my problems. No, no, no. That's that's not that's not what He came for. The, the Bible's very clear that Jesus came for a purpose. And that purpose was that each and every one of us, you, me, every person in the town of Whitehall and, and everybody around us all across the United States and all across the world, the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect. If you don't believe it, just ask your spouse, okay? I mean, they'll tell you uh, that you're not, all right? I mean, we all have fails, failures. We all have faults. And while we might be doing better than someone else, the standard is not someone else. The standard is Christ. The standard is God. Perfection. Nobody here is perfect. And the Bible tells us that because we are sinners that we owe something. We owe something. We have to pay something. Just like you have a, a debt on your house or something. And you get a bill in the mail. And they say, okay, you owe this. And you have to send a check in the mail to pay for that thing. Hey, there's a check that you have to pay for your sin. That's, that check that you have to pay is, well, it's... It's death. The Bible tells us that, that there's a second death called the lake of fire, eternity in hell. Nobody wants to go there. Nobody, nobody has any desire. I mean, like there, I, I, I ran, I've ran into one person before that uh, when I was a teenager, we were talking with him. And he said, well, so I'm just going to go to hell and party with my friends. He, he said that, and, and we looked at him and said, listen, there's no parties going on in hell. In fact, hell was created for the devil and his angels as a place of punishment. And understand that Satan himself doesn't want to go to hell. He's going to do everything that he can not to go there. So for somebody to stand and say, well, I'll just go and party with my friends. That's just a misunderstanding of what hell is. It's a place of eternal punishment. And those who are sinners will go and spend eternity there. That's not good news because I are a sinner. Okay, I mean, that's, that's, that's just the truth. But here's what's the amazing part. The Bible says, but God commendeth. He showed, he demonstrated his love toward us. In that while, even though while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And he died for you. See, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross. The penalty was death. He died in our place. He lived a perfect life. He never once sinned. sinned. He, he, he was, he's God in flesh. Then he gave his life on the cross, the only payment that could satisfy that, that payment. He died on the cross for our sin. And when he died on that cross for our sin, he satisfied that payment. And now all we have to do is receive that gift of eternal life. Well, how do you do that? The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because Jesus Christ, while he died, he rose again three days later. You say, that's impossible. Oh, listen, if he wasn't there, if he was still dead, they could have went and found his body. He's risen from the grave. He was seen over 500 people at once. He was seen by multitudes, maybe thousands of people after he rose from the grave. He was, he's alive. He's alive today. And because of his victory over death, because he died and he rose again, 
we have the opportunity to accept his gift of eternal life. Now, here's what happens. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You say, I don't believe a loving God would send somebody to hell. I agree with you. God, a loving God would never send somebody to hell. That's why he said, listen, here you go. Let me pave this pathway for you, Jesus Christ, so that you can have eternity in heaven with me. And here's what people do. Oh, yeah? No, no thanks. I'll figure it out my own way. No, 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 listen, this is the only way. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This is the only way you have to go through Christ and his death on the cross. No, 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 that's okay. I'll take this side road over here. No, there's only one. There's only one way. And a lot of people are rejecting that gift of eternal life. Now I'll figure it out on my own. I'll, I'll, I'll go to church and I'll get baptized. I'll, I'll give money and, and I'll be a good person. And, and I'll be a good son, a good daughter, a, a good mom, a good dad. I'll, I'll, I'll do these things. And, and that surely when it gets to the end, the, the weight will balance out enough that I'll get to heaven. And God says, that's not how it works. You're playing by your own scale, not by mine. The only way to an eternity with God is if we call upon the name of the Lord. You say, Kyle, how do I do that? I met a lot of people that they, they live their whole life and they're trying and it's exhausting. <sighs> trying to get to heaven on their own works and, and pillowing their head at night going, man, I hope I did enough. Not even realizing that God says that even all of our good works are like filthy racks when it comes to getting us to eternity with him. And that moment, finally, we come to that point where God says, if you don't accept me, you're going to spend eternity in, in a lake of fire in hell. And we come to that place and we say, man, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I want to know for sure that I'm going to spend eternity with, with God. How do I do it? And, and we, we finally, you come to that place just like I did when I was nine years old. And, and you pray and you say, God, I, I know that I am a sinner and I can't, I can't get to heaven on my own. Would you forgive me for my sins? I put in my faith, my trust in what Jesus did on that cross. Receiving that gift. Say, Kyle, that's, that's, but, but isn't there things that I have to do? No, 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 no. The Bible tells us that if, it's, it's, if, that if we work for our salvation, then God would have to owe us in eternity. And God owes us nothing. Nothing that we can do. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. If we could work to get to heaven, then we'd get up there one day and say, well, how did you get here? <laughs> yeah, you know? And I'd stand there and say, well, I was a preacher. You know? and, the, and, and we'd compete with one another, and then somebody else would say, well, I preached longer than you did. And, and we'd go back and forth with each other. And he says, listen, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's where it all begins. And once you accept Christ as your Savior, church, that. The whole motive, the whole, the whole purpose of our life, what is it? The whole, the whole mindset of our life is what we just said. The gospel. You see, here's what happens. I'm, I'm a toe first kind of guy. You say, what does that mean, Kyle? I'm saying this, okay? I hate cold water, okay? In fact, I hate the cold, but I hate cold water in particular. And, and so if we, went, if we go swimming, I'm, I'm one that, that puts my toe in first. And it's like, okay, whew, that's cold, okay? You know, and then you stand up and you got to kind of mentally prepare yourself. And then, and then you might like actually put a whole foot in and then you put your other foot and it's like, oh man, okay. You know, and then, and then finally you kind of, you get in and, and then you walk in and you get a little bit deeper, a little bit, oh, okay. And then you get back out and, and Tressa's not like that, okay? Tressa's like the, just like jump in. 
type of person, okay? I mean, like some of you are like that. You're the person that's like, I don't know. I mean, it might be frozen. I might die, but I'm jumping in. You know, and you run and you jump in. I mean, like cannonball right into it, the whole thing. Head first. I mean, the whole, the whole bit. Uh, that's, that's how some of you are. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm a toe first kind of person. Well, listen, unfortunately, oftentimes as the church, we, we become the, the toe first kind of believers. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? We kind of dabble with the gospel. Kind of play around with it. Ah, yeah, that'd be telling people about Jesus and, and sharing, sharing about Jesus dying on the cross. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, 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 that's not what God wants. When we get saved, when you accept Christ as your Savior. Oh, listen, friend, it, it should be an all-in kind of thing. A head-first kind of thing. You see, there's nothing wrong with being passionate about, about various aspects of, of life and the Christian life. But our primary focus ought always to be on the gospel. The salvation of the lost. James 1.8 says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There's nothing wrong with having passions, but our primary focus as a church, as believers, should be on the gospel of Christ. Hey, we're almost finished. He said, you need to have one spirit, one mind, and then he says this, you need to have one motivation. Then in that verse, he says this, striving together for what? For the faith of the gospel. And we, we live in a world that, that's full of people that just aren't motivated to do anything. I mean, it's just, it, it's just completely unmotivated. I mean, you can't hardly get people out of bed uh, to, to do anything without motivating them. And, and Kono's like, oh, you can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Oh, good job. You stepped out of bed. You know, it's just like, oh, what in the world, you know? I mean, getting people to, to, to work, getting people to do anything. It's just like, man, you can't, you, I mean, like you got to dangle a carrot in front of their face to get them to do anything. I mean, it's just kind of the, the way that it was. When Tressa was growing up, her, her dad had a way of motivating them to get out of bed. Uh, he would come in with a cattle prod. And, uh, you know, he'd have that, that charger ready to go. And he'd walk in and, and Tressa said she can remember times hearing that thing popping, pop, 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 you know, as, as, as he had that thing. And she said, I got out of bed real quick, you know. And uh, I think she said one time that I, I don't remember if it was uh, her or her brother or who it was. Somebody had it and, and it was turned off, but it still held, held a charge. And somebody got zapped with a cattle prod, you know. I mean, how many understand? That's motivating, okay? I mean, that'll get you up. That'll get you going. I mean, all of a sudden, you go from like zero to like a thousand, okay? All, I mean, all at once. You see, God's desire for us is a single motivation. A single motivation. Uh, the Christian life is not one that should be lived out of guilt, okay? Uh, I, I've been in services where the pastors, I mean, stood up, the preacher stood up and said, well, if you don't do this, then, then God just doesn't love you. I mean, just like all this different, and it's like, Oh man, I guess I have to. You know, that's not, that's not, God doesn't desire for us to be motivated out, out of guilt. It, it isn't to, to, be, to be lived because we have to do something. No, our motivation, you know what it should be? It should be the gospel. He said, we just talked about the gospel. I know, listen. He says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know what our motivation should be? What Jesus did for me. What Jesus did for me. Uh, we, it, 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 should, it should change everything in our life when we think about the fact that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and then at the end of his life that he was taken, he was beaten, a crown of thorns was planted on his head, a cat of nine tails ripped across his back. The Bible says that his bones looked upon him, that he was taken and he was put on a cross. He, he, didn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't held down when it happened. No, no, no. He laid down his life, the Bible says. The nails were driven through his hands, through his feet. He suffered immensely, immense pain on on that cross. Why? So that I could have eternal life. 
So that you could have eternal life. That's why. And you say, well, Kyle, I just, I just feel like I need some, some motivation. Some motivations to live, live for God. I mean, if you, could just, you know, if you could just pump me up, that'd be great. I remember before basketball games, we, we'd get together and we'd get in that huddle and we'd get there and we'd start, you would chant and we'd say things like that and get, you start jumping and everything and, the, and then the, the band's playing and all this stuff and, and then all of a sudden the, and the, the cheerleaders, are, the crowd's yelling and now the, you know, they'd say, and then we'd come crashing out of the paper and, you know, and it was just, woo, you know, we're all fired up. Listen, you, some of us think that's the way the Christian life should be. Like every morning, pastor, you know, I need to come over to your house and be like, come on, you can do it today. You can do it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You know, and, you know live for God. Live for God. Live for God. And it's like, whoa, okay, let's do it. No, no, no. Listen, the only motivation that we need is Jesus Christ and his death on that cross. What he did for you, what he did for me. Motivation, the gospel. Paul said it this way. In 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He says, this is the motivation of my whole life. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Jesus gave everything on the cross for you, for me, so that I can have eternal life. The, the only, I mean, the reasonable thing for us to do is to live our lives for him. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you, he says, by the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Why? Because it's your reasonable service. It's just what you're supposed to do. Christian, this morning, are you making the gospel look good? Are you making the gospel look good? Or is your life all about you? Are you more concerned with making a name for yourself? Or is it truly more, more about Jesus? Is it all about him? A person's final words are very important. I, I, there's been many books that have been written on a person's final words. Well, there's a person in the Bible that, that gives really some, some final words, some, some last words. And, and the man, his name is Solomon. Solomon was the son of David. David told him, he said, if there's one thing that you ask of God, ask for wisdom. Solomon prayed and asked for God for wisdom. God said, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to be the most mighty nation in all the land. He said, I'm going to make you wealthier than anybody that, that's ever lived. And he said, and you're going to have wisdom that's just beyond anything. And yet with all of that, Solomon still fell into sin. He, he had a lust for, for women. The Bible tells us you had 700 wives, 300 concubines. That sounds like a whole lot of birthdays to forget. Okay, I'm just telling you. That, that was the wisest man that ever lived. Sometimes I look at Solomon, you weren't all that smart. I mean, just, you know, uh, he, he, he made some bad decisions in his life. In fact, he wrote a book called the Book of Ecclesiastes. You want to talk about depressing. Holy smokes, you read the book Ecclesiastes over and over again. He says, man, it's all just a waste. It's all just a waste. It's all vanity, vexation of spirit, just a waste. Just a waste. I mean, he says that over and over again through, through the book of Ecclesiastes. But there's a purpose for it. He gets to the end of that book. And, and really, it's kind of like some of the last words. He, he gets to the end. He says this. Let, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter in, in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. He says at the end of it, he says, if you forget everything else, he said, remember this. 
the conclusion of the whole matter, the whole life. He said it all, it all boils down to this. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now I want you to listen to the final words of our Savior while he was on this earth. He said this. All power is given me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Solomon says, listen, if you forget everything else, remember this. Your duty. Your duty. It's the command of God. Fear God. Keep His commandments. What was Jesus' final command? Oh, go into the, all, all the world with the gospel. Oh, as Paul writes here, he says, listen. Oh, 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 there's one thing that I want you to remember, O church of Philippi. Only let your conversation, your lifestyle, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, makes it look good. That whether I, I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That what? As you stand fast in one spirit. One mind striving together for what? For one purpose, one motivation, the faith of the gospel. This morning, church, I'd encourage you, ask God to examine your heart, your life, and ask this question, God, am I making your gospel look good? And if I'm not, help me to change those things that I need to change. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to have a time here at the end of the service. We do this every week where we have an opportunity to respond to the word of God that's preached. Listen, preaching is only preaching if there's a time that we take what we have heard and we apply it. And so this morning, in just a moment, we're going to have a time with, with the music that's going to play. And so with heads bowed and with eyes closed, I'm going to ask just a couple of very quick questions. And then we'll wrap things up. I want to ask this question first of all. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Kyle, Kyle, I, I know that, that I am a Christian. I know that I have accepted Christ as my Savior. I know that based upon, not, not upon anything that I have done, based upon the Word of God, which you just preached this morning, I know that I'm a Christian. I know that I have accepted Christ as my Savior. I know without any question that if something was to happen, if I was to die and I went to, to eternity, that I'd spend eternity with God in heaven. Not based upon anything I've done based upon what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. It's just between me and you and the Lord. I, I just want to know who I'm preaching to, who I've preached to this morning. But you say this, Kyle, I know that I'm saved. I know that I've accepted Christ as my Savior. There's a time and a place I can go back to that I made that decision. I know that I'm saved. If that's you this morning, can I just see your hand just for a moment? This is just a testimony. Nobody's looking around. Many hands. You can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. I want to ask another question. This question, okay? And it's this. You say, Kyle... There are many that weren't able to raise their hands. And you say, Kyle, you know, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm going to go to heaven. But man, what you said today, it just made sense. Just made sense. And I know that I, that I need to be saved. I know that I can't do it on my own. There's not many ways to heaven. But I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And I'd sure like to put my faith and trust in him. Right now, where I'm sitting, I, you know, Kyle, I, I'm, Kyle, don't embarrass me, okay? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call out your name or anything like that. Did you say this? You say, Kyle, I, I'd sure like to do that right where I'm seated right now. I'd like to do that. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, nobody's looking, okay? This is between me and you and the Lord. You say, Kyle, would you just pray for me? Would you just pray for me? 
that's you. Can I just see your hand for just a minute? Is there anybody like that at all? I, I don't want to, okay, there's one back there. Is there anybody else? You'd say, you know, God spoke to my heart today, and I, I'd like to know. You can put your hand down. Thank you. You'd say, hey, listen, I'm, I, I'd like to know, but I, I don't. But would you, just, would you just pray for me? Just pray for me. Amen. Amen. There's another one. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. As, as heads bowed and eyes closed, whenever I was nine years old, I just prayed a simple prayer. And I just, I just asked the Lord. I just told him, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And the best of my ability, I know I can't get to heaven on my own. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. You say, Kyle, do I have to pray those exact words? No, 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 you sure don't. But right where you're seated, you can pray and you can ask the Lord to save you. You can ask him, Lord, I, I'm putting my trust in you. To the best of my ability, I'm putting my trust in you. I don't understand everything. I don't know it all. But God, I'm putting my trust in you. You say, Kyle, I, I'm going to do that right now. As I pray this morning, can I encourage you? Would you just pray right where you're seated and ask the Lord to save you? Lord, I thank you for each person that's in this room, how you've moved in our midst, how you've spoken to hearts. I pray, Lord, there's a few that raised their hands that they, were, they needed to be saved. They needed to know you as their Savior. God, thank you for that. I, I just praise you for it. I pray now, right now, that they would pray, that they'd accept you. Lord, for those that are already believers, have already put their faith and trust in Christ, I pray this morning that they would be challenged to, to live their lives according to the gospel and that they would make it look good. Lord, they would live their lives in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Thank you, God, for what you've done already today. I look forward to what you're going to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, the music's going to play. Let's stand together.